This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv, also in audio form at amiplus.ca. I'm Dave Brown. It is Wednesday, December the 6th, 2023. Coming up in the second hour of the show, the season for post-secondary applications is here. Elizabeth Moeller will give you some advice on what to do to make your applications sparkle and shine. And just before we talk a little little bit about accessibility and urban design, I did say that I would give you the update on the Bank of Canada interest rate, and as expected, the Bank of Canada holding the interest rate steady. That's their last announcement of the year, so that's where 2023 comes to an end in regards to interest rate conversations. I assure you, it will come up again. Okay, let's turn to accessibility and disability. New research shows that several Canadian cities are not accessible. 60% of public places in Calgary, Vancouver, and Ottawa presented some kind of accessibility barrier to people with disabilities. The Mapping Our Cities for All project was led by the University of Calgary. Dr. Victoria Fast is an associate professor at U of C. Hey, good morning, Professor Fast. Nice to chat with you this morning. Good morning, Dave. Happy to be chatting with you too. So I'm a little bit of a nerd. Let's start with your <laughs> let's start with your methodology. What kind of accessibility barriers were you looking for? Uh, well, we when we rated the cities, we rated them according to uh, different um, uh, variables, including so there's the overall rating, and that's one that made it in the news. So accessible, partially accessible, or inaccessible. Uh, but then we also looked at tags, descriptions, and photos. But what's most unique about this methodology is that it really embraced nothing about us without us. And uh, we hired over 30 mappers across the country, many of them living with permanent disabilities. Uh, and they were our mappers. They were our eyes and ears and wheels on the ground. Yeah, go a little bit deeper into the folks that you had collaborate on here in regards to the collection of the data. Well, I, I guess I should address uh, first access now. It's of course, the, yeah. Toronto that crowdsources accessibility uh, worldwide, and we just said, hey, we need we need more research. We need to use this data as a benchmark to understand how accessible our cities are. Uh, and uh, the, uh, we have the Accessible Canada Act. It said Canada will be barrier free by 2040. But what's that benchmark? How accessible are we even? So let's dig into the data a little bit here, because like you said, the, the top line number, 60% of the cities being inaccessible or partially inaccessible, like that is a, that's a jarring, jarring number. But I'm curious about what were some of the common barriers that kept popping up across Calgary, Vancouver and Ottawa? Uh, yeah, so common barriers, the 
uh, main thing is the door. You know, can you get in the door? It uh, does. Uh, can somebody independently access that business? So, uh, is there a stair to get in or multiple stairs? Uh, is is the most obvious one. Uh, but also, is there an automatic door button? Can people get into the business independently if they're not able to physically open the door themselves? Uh, and then it went a lot deeper than that. We were looking at some of the tags that we looked at were, uh, were there Braille options? Uh, was there a sign language tag indicating that they had somebody who, uh, uh, that an interpreter could be available by request? Uh, so a few businesses have those, and I think it's important to emphasize and share information on those ones that do. How did how did you and some of the researchers develop a sample size here? What what was the methodology in determining what kind of public places you were looking for? They were all public facing businesses uh, at ground floor, so we weren't going into high rises. It was just what was ever on the ground floor there. Uh, and then we were looking based on uh, a census term from Census Canada or ge a census geography called dissemination areas. And so that is how Census Canada uh, or St Statistics Canada collects data and um, uh, and aggregates them to a particular unit. So you're not giving away individual information. So we took those census units of dissemination areas, mapped out which ones had the highest proportion of consumer businesses, uh, and then we hit the ground and started mapping. I, I know that, again, the top line data here shows some pretty jarring uh, results and maybe results that people with disabilities wouldn't be all that surprised by. As someone myself who has a disability, uh, you encounter inaccessibility in a lot of places uh, throughout your day-to-day -day life. But I'm curious about any positive observations. Were there any spaces or areas or features where these public spaces were actually showing some positive results or positive trends? Absolutely. Uh, so we did some rural mapping uh, just to get a non-city perspective. So we, uh, our main mapping was in Vancouver, Calgary, and Ottawa, and then we mapped 17 rural municipalities uh, around Alberta. And from those, libraries stood out as uh, a leader in accessibility. A lot of them were accessible to get in. A lot of them had many of those tags that we were looking for, uh, whether it was you know high contrast, had braille options, was a scent-free space, had tactile surfaces. Uh, and so that was really great. And another one was uh, a major headline news in Calgary happening is um, that Calgary was actually rated as only 35, only 35% of buildings were rated as fully accessible. This is compared to 48% of Vancouver and 53% of Ottawa, although minor caveat that the Ottawa sample was uh, a little bit smaller. Uh, but there's a new community in Calgary that's just been built called University District. It's close to the university. It used to be a field, and now it's a thriving urban area. And there was some really good accessibility there. It was built probably 2020 to 2023 still kind of ongoing and there is some good accessibility so I think we're doing better it's just we're stuck with some of this outdated legacy and outdated infrastructure uh, and maps matter maps matter in mediating that information for people. Also, when you have those cases, those positive uh, case studies that people can look at, that creates templates moving forward, right? Because cities are not static. They're always developing and growing. And when you can point to an area where, hey, they're doing this really, really well through their rebuild or through their retrofit, that can be a template for other cities and other developers. 
Absolutely. Uh, it's a great template. And that's exactly why we initiated this. We needed a benchmark. If we're going to be barrier free by 2040, how accessible are we and what progress are we making toward that? Yeah, you need you need the information. You need to know the problem that you're dealing with in tangible terms before you start figuring out solutions. Along those lines, what does this research say more broadly about efforts to enact the goals of the Accessible Canada Act? But of course, it's not just uh, Canada. There are plenty of provinces who are on their own journey right now with provincial accessibility legislation. Gosh, I'd love to see some provincial accessibility legislation in Alberta. Currently, it's just mm. the Human Rights Act or code. Uh, not 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 a lawyer, so not sure, but uh, I think that provincial jurisdiction, that pro or provincial um, legislation is really going to matter uh, because it has more teeth. So the Accessible Canada Act is is uh, governs federal things under federal jurisdiction, where our accessibility is built and governed uh, in our provinces and our municipalities. So I think some of those laws there really matter. But what really matters to me for the Accessible Canada Act is that uh, we are prioritizing accessibility. We are saying this is a policy precedent and that we are going to become a more accessible country. And so I think uh, despite the criticism that the legislation has no teeth, that we are making, we're setting accessibility and access as a priority. What kind of plans do you have to expand this research, maybe other, other major cities? We want to map the rest of the world. We want to map everything. <laughs> uh, maps really are that, uh, you know, knowledge that people could use to make more informed decisions about where they want to spend their dollars. And that really facilitates that. Uh, so there are some great resources being developed. Uh, but in terms of developing this research, it's just a matter of getting more funding and getting more mappers on the ground. I, I know I read the report at accessnow.com yesterday. It was super, super cool to read the executive summary and then dive a little bit deeper into the data, but you may have just tipped the hand a little bit, Dr. Fast. What kind of opportunities are there and how can folks at home get involved in this project, whether it be more broadly or very specifically? Yeah, Access Now is a live and living data set. So all of this data is available at accessnow.com. Uh, and uh, so you can go on and check out their map and check out businesses. So if you're a business owner, check out to see if your business has been mapped. Uh, and if it hasn't, add your rating. If it has uh, and it's inaccessible, work toward that. There were some instances an example where a business had a big planter at the front door blocking the accessible door button. And so what would otherwise be rated as inaccessible uh, was deemed, uh, or uh, it would otherwise been rated as accessible was deemed inaccessible. Uh, so some of the fixes are pretty easy, so pay attention. Dr. Fast, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time today to talk about the research. Keep up all this interesting work and hopefully we get a chance to uh, check in again down the road with uh, better results to report next time. Yeah, here's hoping. Great chatting with you. <laughs> That's Dr. Victoria Fast, an associate professor at the University of Calgary. To learn more about the project and read the initial report, you can visit accessnow.com. That's accessnow.com. Coming up after the break, Vancouver was the center of the Canadian sports universe last night. Canadian soccer superstar Christine Sinclair played her last international game. And... The Hughes brothers, Jack, Luke, and Quinn got together on the ice when the Vancouver Canucks and New Jersey Devils took on each other. So lots to talk about in the world of sports with Brock Richardson after two minutes.
Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.